The earth is filled with His glory. Let your praise be a part of that glorious praise unto God. Amen. Wow. Got your phones. Go ahead and let the world know you're here. Check in. Check in. Christian Embassy. Let's go ahead and reach around the world on a Wednesday night and let your friends and everybody who's stalking you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going out here at Christian Embassy. I'm praying that we'll get testimony of souls being saved, of folks who tuned in because you checked in. And if we get to heaven one day, there's going to be this whole list of folks that got saved, their family got saved, they came out of bondage, they came out of drugs, they came out of a, a spousal abuse, and all because they tuned in when they saw someone check in. They said, what did they check into? And they're going to check into what you checked into, and they're going to fall right into the Holy Ghost Word. Amen. Amen. Isn't that exciting? I, I'm, let me just tell you, Pastor Adika, she's always positive, isn't she? Isn't it encouraging to have a first lady in the house that's just positive? She's not up here beating up on you guys and fussing and pointing her finger and saying you're doing this wrong. And she's just always so positive. Man, she's so positive she turns every negative situation into a positive. She was at Walmart just the other evening and locked herself out of the car. And she uh, got a coat hanger and she's trying to open the door. And, and this thug looking guy comes up to her and, and she got a little nervous. But he says, uh, you need some help? And she said, yeah, yeah. So and within, within 30 seconds, he had the door open. And she said, praise God, I was praying the Lord would send somebody to help me out. And the guy said, well, it's kind of funny that I'm the one came because I'm a professional car thief and I just got out of jail. And she starts jumping up and down and clapping her hands. She said, praise God. Not only did he send somebody to help me, but he sent me a professional. She's just always so positive. Now, I did change the names in this story to make it more interesting. But if that were to happen, that would be her. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You had time to check in? Let your friends and family and stalkers know that you're in the house of the Lord? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Man, this is an exciting word. I, I love, I've got the most favorite, favorite message of my life I'm about to preach, you know? And that's always the one I'm about to preach because the Word of God is just so exciting. Oh, God, God cares about every area of our life. Every area of our life. So much so, sometimes we got to deal with the, you know, the the down and dirty stuff in life because in life we get, we get dirty sometimes, right? So I'm going to deal with a four-letter word tonight and let me tell you what, it offends a lot of people but I've found over the years this four-letter word offends more folks in the church than it offends folks in the secular world. So I hope you got an extra a measure of grace on you tonight and you're going to be nice to me and, and as we deal with this because we're going to deal with this four-letter word and it's going, to, it's going to affect every one of you, I guarantee you. And this four-letter word is cash, okay? Cash. We're going to deal with cash, okay? Because let me tell you what, cash affects every one of us, does it not? I'm telling you, we got to learn how to deal with money. we got to learn how to see if God's got a plan for it, and He does. And that's what we're going to look at is prosperity by God's design. That's uh, what we're going to look at tonight. A biblical account, a theological understanding, not from the perversion of the world and not from the spirit of greed, but from the heart of God, the mind of God, and the covenant message He has given us in and through His Word, that as we'll align ourselves with His Word, I guarantee you, you're going to see uh, the prosperity of God find fruition in your life. 
So I want us to study God's uh, design of prosperity, and it's got to begin here in Galatians 3 and 13 and 14. I pray you never get tired of that verse, because let me tell you what, this is everything for us. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Say, curse, you got to go. Say, curse, you got to go. See, the curse on cash can do more to destroy you through either poverty or an abundance of cash in a spirit of greed, it can do more to destroy you than bless you. So we got to say, curse, you got to go. He's redeemed us from the curse, becoming a curse for us, for it says, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. He hung on that tree to get the curse off of us. So that, what? The blessing of Abraham might come on us. Say, blessing come. come. See, the curse had to go. You just ran it off, but you need to fill your house. You need to fill the room. Now, blessing come. In Jesus' name, that I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed coming, I'm blessed going, I'm blessed standing, I'm blessed seated. I'm blessed, I'm blessed because my God has blessed me, amen. So if you ever wondered why in the world did Jesus suffer the most humiliating, the most degrading, the most shameful, the most disgraceful. Look at this picture here. It just brings us to the question, why? Why would Jesus hang on that cross? Why would he be there naked? Why would he be there beaten half to death and then nailed there to die? The most disgraceful and painful death known to man. And the answer to that question why was to get the curse off of you so he could get the blessing on you. Don't take half of it. Some people say he did it to get the curse off of me. That's just half of it. He went through this so he could get the blessing on you. Do you understand that? He was crucified. He was humiliated. He chose the most painful, excruciating, long-term death known to man. And the reason he did it was to get the curse off of you so he could get the blessing on you. You got to let that rub into your spirit. Sometimes you just got to, sometimes you put lotion on. One day, uh, she, Pastor Riddick, she's got all kinds of little bottle samples and stuff. And I said, well, what is that when it says make you look 20 years younger? I said, praise God. I put on my face and it was just all white. And I looked in the mirror and I said, I look like a ghost. So I started rubbing and I started rubbing. I said, what in the world I got to do? I learned you got to keep rubbing until it gets warm. And then it kind of went in somewhere. And I reckon it made me look 20 years younger. Y'all say amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> Y'all said, wait a minute. We were set up for that. And... Uh, but that had to, be, had to be rubbed in. I'm going to rub this in. That Jesus, I'm telling you, when my God is willing to go through what he went through so that to get the curse off of us, so that he could get the blessing on us, I don't want you to live just a curse-free life. I don't want you to just live a curse-free life. Now, that is important to live a curse-free life. But I want you to live a blessed life too because he did it for both. He did it for both. So I want to rub it in, rub it in until it gets down in your spirit, man. It gets down in you. I am blessed and the curse is gone. I am not tolerating curse. I'm not talking curse. I'm not walking in the curse. I'm not living in the curse. I don't smell like the curse. Somebody told me this this evening, said, said, you smell good, pastor. See, I don't smell like the curse. See, there's some folks, there ain't enough perfume in the world to cover up the stench of the curse they carry. They just curse everything. They just all about the negative. I'm telling you, God took the curse off to get the blessing on us. And I want you living not only a curse-free life, but a blessed life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because this is a new covenant position that's been offered to us by Christ and we have to sever our ties with the old world covenant of greed. 
Greed has got to go when it comes to cash. Greed has got to go when it comes to prosperity because greed will corrupt. Greed is a spirit that brings the curse in on wealth. I'm telling you, and cursed wealth has sorrow in your life. You see folks that are, they've sold out the integrity. They sold out their family. They sold out their health. They, they would sell their mama if they could get by with it all for, for the spirit of greed. Let me tell you what, that is not the prosperity God is talking about in his word. So we got to sever the ties with the old worldly covenant and we've got to embrace the, the, the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus where it is curse-free but blessed. It is curse-free but blessed. Hallelujah. Proverbs 28, 19 says, A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasy ends up in poverty. Have you ever met somebody always chasing fantasies, always chasing? I say work hard while you're chasing your fantasies. And if your fantasies are your dreams and they do come to reality, you were able to, to take care of yourself while you were chasing them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, the world says get rich quick by any means. That's what the world says. But God's way is slower. But it's sure and it doesn't end up destroying you. you got to be careful because if you get prospered, outside of God's plan, it could do more to harm you than to help you. In Jeremiah 17 and 11, the person who gathers wealth by unjust means is like the partridge that broods over eggs but does not hatch them. Before his life is half over, he will lose his ill-gotten gain. You ever seen that happen to people? And at the end of his life, it will be clear he was a fool. You got to be careful. We don't, we have to sever the tie with the, the worldly spirit of greed that wants us to prosper because the world's idea of how to get rich is say winning the lottery. And, and, and if you're spending money on a lottery, you need to just go ahead and front the mirror and slap yourself. Okay. And say, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's foolish. I see folks over there hiding when I go to the grocery store, they're hiding. I'm like, why are you hiding? They got it right here at the entrance. So you can't hide. And you over there hiding, like you got, you got the hoodie over and got a bag up here and they're scratching, you know, they're scratching. And then I hear them go, huh, and walk out of there. And I'm like, mm, good enough for you. See, the world always wants to, to try and get rich winning the lottery, yet a careful study of those who have won reveals that it, it, it usually ruins their lives instead of blesses them. God has a way for you to prosper. He does. Let's get into God's plan. Proverbs 28 and 20 says, The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Do you see a theme? God's talking about this desire for quick riches, quick riches, quick riches. It's not God's way. It's not God's way. You say, oh, but I want to fall into a well of wealth. It's not God's way. It's not God's way. Because if your character is not built up and your integrity in place and you're in covenant where you're trusting God, you'll start trusting in that quick get rich. And the next thing you know that you'll find out that the spirit of mammon is not your true God and your true friend and will snatch the rug from under you and hurt you in any way that he can. Here it says in Proverbs 28, 22, greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus says, this is how you do it. You got to seek first my kingdom. You got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You remember we just came through the fall feast as we went through the review of the spring feast and the fall feast over and over as we came 
uh, through those feasts and, and the one with, uh, you know, the Feast of Booths, uh, booths the Feast of uh, the Tabernacles that where God was saying, uh, you know, when you have the Feast of Booths, he says, I want you to do that. So you're reminding yourself that when I get into the land that flows with milk and honey, I won't get my eyes off of God because God says, I know your tendency. I know your weakness. Your weakness is when you got everything taken care of, you stop seeking me. When your business is growing, you quit coming to church. Brother Tony just walked in. He's like, I'm sorry, I've just been painting and working and come right in. I tell you what, that's more honorable, I believe, in the eyes of God than somebody would say, you know what? I got a little sweat on my collar. I'm not going to church tonight. Let me tell you what, I love it when we can put God first, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and then he says he, things start adding to you. God sees to it that things start adding to you. So we must see that God's continual growth in our life is the plan that God has for us. In Mark 4 and 30, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? He said, let me think. Okay, it's like a mustard seed that's planted in the ground. It's the smallest of the seeds, but it becomes the largest of all the garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. He said, so it starts out small. It starts out small. Luke 16 and 10, he says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll then be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. So in the kingdom work of God, God says, I'm going to trust you with the small. I'm going to trust you to see if you'll honor me when you got this much. And if you'll honor me when you got this much, I'll increase it. And if you can honor me when you got this much, I'll increase it like the mustard seed that grows to be one of the largest uh, plants. And let me tell you, premature prosperity will truly hurt you. Uh, if you get it before you're able to handle it, I've seen it happen over and over again. It will ruin your life. I remember there was one gentleman who got a big inheritance, maybe 14, 16 million dollars, met with me, and he held a big handful of hundred dollar bills. And he says, my daddy taught me this is the only thing you can trust in. As he was squeezing it there as we were meeting. And uh, Pastor Rodique, I believe, was in that meeting with us. And, and uh, she, she got on. I mean, she got her little preach on. She said, well, I'll tell you what. God is more trustworthy than that was in your hand. She just got her little preach on, you know. And I was like, come on, now. We're trying to get him to help us build this building. Be nice. Be nice. <laughs> you know, come on now. <laughs> Y'all got to help me with her. Come on. <laughs> and today, it's unfortunate that all that money's gone and that gentleman is, is in a broken state, I'm telling you. But the good thing is we still reach out, still love on just as much as if they had 500 million because it never, it never was about the money. It was, if God cares about people, it cares about people. But you can't trust in that wad. Let me tell you what. You better put your trust in the Lord. Did you know money is actually neutral? but it's very powerful. If uh, the person who has money is evil, it's more likely that he will promote more evil. But if the person who has money is good, it's more likely they will promote more good. So money in itself is neutral. It's in the hands, it's in whose hands it belongs is where it's going to do good or it's going to do bad. So I say let's align ourselves with God's covenant of blessing and let's prosper God's way. Anybody ready to prosper God's way? Anybody want to be trusted with more? You may not be trusted with more because you may not know. God says my people perish for lack of knowledge. You may not know how to, in covenant, stand under the weight of great prosperity and, and that way God wants it to do. And he brought you here tonight so that you can get the understanding from the word of God, get in the right position so he can start raining it down on you in a greater measure. That's what I'm praying. 
Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. There is a blessing. This, remember, Jesus hung on the cross to get the curse off of us so he could get the blessing on us. He wants the blessing on you. Part of that blessing, he says right here, is that this blessing of the Lord that he wants to get on you, it makes you rich. It makes you rich, but a richness that adds no sorrow with it. So you're handling it in such a way that it enhances and blesses your life rather than hurts your life. So when you walk in the covenant blessing of God, you got to know it makes you rich. And you need to get ready to get rich. And there's some folks, they so, the ones that get offended with this full-letter word in church, they say, oh, that richness doesn't mean wealth. That richness doesn't mean cash. That ri- it means that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, thank God our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But I'm going to beg to differ with you. It means exactly what it says. I mean, it's asher is the Hebrew word. And I, didn't I put it up there? Yeah, to become wealthy, to make rich, to gain riches, to prosper. So if the Holy Spirit inspired the word of God, which he did, it's God breathed and it's profitable. It's profitable to each and every one of us that God chose that he, he could have chosen any word he wanted, but he chose this Hebrew word asher which means to become wealthy, to be made rich, to gain riches, to prosper. So I think God knows what he's doing. I'm not, I don't feel that I can take a red pen and go in and correct his grammar and say that was the wrong vocabulary word that you used, Holy Spirit. I'm going to study what the Holy Spirit used. And he says that this blessing that Jesus went to the cross to get on to us after the curse came off of us was to make us rich and to add no sorrow with that increase. Now, I do agree that this word asher, rich, does not have the same um, uh, uh, connotation as rich in the hands of greedy, sinful, evil people. That's okay. That's not what it is because that brings sorrow with it. This is in the hands of godly, sanctified men and women of God who are in covenant with God, who see it as their responsibility to use the riches of God, to advance the kingdom of God, so there's no sorrow that comes with that kind of rich. It's a covenant blessing that causes things to happen to you for good. I declare over you, if you say today, I am in relationship with Almighty God in and through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is my Lord, who is my Savior, I have come into covenant through the blood of the Lamb of God, and I rebuke the curse that Jesus rebuked, and I accept the blessing that Jesus offered, and from this day forward, I will walk in the blessing of the Lord. Let me tell you what, you open yourself up for that blessing to make you a share, to make you rich in God's way. See, when we walk in covenant, in the covenant of blessing with God, I say it this way, you cannot stay broke. If you're walking in this blessing because this blessing, what, makes one. It didn't say you automatically, you're being made. Anybody ever made any homemade biscuits? Take a hint. I'd love some. I don't, some, some, Pastor, you don't need them. I hadn't had a homemade biscuit in so long. I, forget, I, I don't even know what they look like, okay? But, but if anybody, anybody want to practice, okay. But when you make some homemade biscuits, you don't just have them. You don't hit a can, pop, and then throw that. Okay, it's, you got to get some flour. You got to get some milk. 
You gotta, you know, you gotta get, to, you gotta make it. You gotta make it. Cut in some cold butter. Oh, you know, make it flaky. Okay. And, and okay. So he's this blessing makes you rich. So there's a process. Anybody remember the message Sunday? Process. There's a process in this. So if you if you you can't stay broke because of the blessing, it's making that process is making you. You're being made over now. If you resist the blessing and what it's trying to make you, then you'll continue to walk in poverty. You'll begin to continue to walk uh, down and defeated. But the blessing, if you let the blessing make you now, now that flour has got to yield to your hands. That 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 butter has to yield to your hands if you're going to make some biscuits. If it was fighting you, can you imagine that that flour just blowing in your face? It's like leave me alone, leave me alone, and the butter just walking across the counter saying, "Ah, no, no, I don't. I'm not biscuit material. I, I want to be on a waffle, you know." And uh, you'd, you'd be fighting. That's how it is sometimes when we're, God, the blessing's trying to make you rich, but you're like, no, I'm doing my own thing. You ain't, no, you touching me. Ain't touching my wallet. You ain't touching my checkbook. You know, okay, we got to yield to the process. Amen. Because the blessing of the Lord will accompany you everywhere you go when you yield and walk in the blessing and let the blessing make you. Somebody needs to give up. Somebody just needs to give up. You've been trying it your own way. How is that working out for you? How is that? Are you happy? When you look at your checkbook and you look at your investments and you look, are you happy with where you're at? Maybe you need to lay yourself on the counter and say, okay, mama blessing, grandma blessing, you need to make me. I yield myself to your hands to make me. Psalms 100, Psalms chapter 1, verse 3 describes the covenant man that walks in the blessing like this. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. And whatever, 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 whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because he's a covenant man. He's a covenant woman. He's yielded to the process of the blessing and the blessing is making them. The blessing is going with them up and down the life's highway to make them. Their roots are deep and secure, rooted in the covenant of God. Knowing that God is our source. God is our supply. It's not the world. The world can have a drought, but we're still going to prosper. I, I was at Isaiah, or Elijah, or Isaiah, I think it was, or, or who was it? Isaac, that sowed in the midst of famine and reaped that year hundredfold. Let me tell you what, when the world is suffering, you can prosper. When the world's ways are failing, you can succeed. When you're rooted in Almighty God who can bring bring water out of the rock in the midst of a desert and rain down bread from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For, I, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might stay poor. Not what it says. Not what it says. What does it say? That this is a grace act of our God. That Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you and I through him might what? That we might become rich. Hallelujah. Jesus made the decision to endure our poverty, to fight that curse of poverty, so that we might share in his abundance. 
Now let me tell you what, the whole 33 and a half years that he lived, he was not in poverty. Where did he deal with the curse? Y'all better talk back to me or I'm coming down there. Where did he deal with the curse? On the cross! So where did he take on the spirit of poverty? On the cross! And on his way for redemption. Now I'm telling you, he had a treasurer. He had, his family had to go on uh, vacation in Egypt for, for a long period of time until Herod, Herod died. And, and, and let me tell you what, from his birth on, it never talks about them being any poverty. But when he dealt with that curse of poverty on the cross, he took on that spirit of poverty that was on us so that the spirit of abundance and blessing might come on you and me. That's Galatians 3, 13 and 14 all over again. Hallelujah. Now this poverty that he took on is spelled out in the Bible in Deuteronomy 28, verse 48. And it's just laid right out there. This is how you take it on. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies. This is what the spirit of poverty will do. It'll cause you to be in hunger, to be in thirst, to be in naked, and to be in need of everything. Do you see those things? Whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need. See, when you are under the law... And the curse of the law, that's why Galatians 3.13 says he's removed the curse of the law. Under the curse of the law, it's kind of like a parent saying, if you, child, cross that road, I'm going to take, take a belt to you or I'm going to take a, a, a switch to you or something. And the curse of the law is if you go do that, this is going to happen. Well, in the Old Testament... If all of the laws that were given with consequences that were so severe, he says, if you choose, if you choose to violate God in, in, in with your offerings and with blessing, uh, honoring Him with the tithe and the offering under the Old Testament, he says, you open up the door for this penalty to come. And God would allow the enemy to bring these four things on you. This is what the spirit of poverty looks like. But let me tell you what, Jesus, by His grace... He says, came and took on, he left his riches, he laid them aside, took on our poverty so that we might be made rich. And how did that, how did that happen? They're going to the cross. And here it is. Jesus was hungry when they crucified him. He had not eaten in 24 hours. We don't know what all he had eaten even before because of the great uh, weight of this responsibility that was coming on him that he knew he had to do. He may have been in a time of fasting. Uh, we know that he was thirsty because from the cross he says, I thirst. Why in the world do you think the Bible would record that? Why in the world would we need that information? Because God wanted us to know this is when Jesus is taking on this spirit of poverty. He is taking it on right here because we just read in Deuteronomy 28, 48 that he would be hungry. The spirit of poverty will make you thirsty. And then it's the spirit of poverty will make you naked. Third thing, Jesus was naked. The Roman soldiers were given the details, how they had stripped him of his clothing. I'm glad they put a loincloth on the pictures that they show us today, but he really didn't have a loincloth on. He was hanging there naked, and they'd taken his clothes, and they had divided them among themselves and casting lots. The Bible gives us those details so we'll know that he was naked. Then it goes on to say, and you would be in want of all things. So when they took Jesus off of the cross, he's naked, he has no clothes. They have already been taken. He has nothing. The Bible says he does not even have a hole in the ground that he owns. So he had to be laid in what? 
a borrowed tomb. I believe he could have owned castles. I believe he could have owned a, 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 a spreads of, of real estate that would have wrapped around the globe. But he laid all of that aside. And, 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 and he came so that when he came off that cross, everything had been given away, everything had been taken care of so that he did not even have a hole in the ground so that they could put him in a borrowed tomb. And the reason being was so that he could cancel the poverty curse on our behalf. Now, if Jesus would be hungry and Jesus would be thirsty and Jesus would be naked and willing to be laid in an empty borrowed tomb, let me tell you what, so that he could get the curse of poverty off of us, I say we need to shake off that curse tonight and say no more will I even carry the scent of this curse in the name of Jesus. If you did all of that to get the curse off of me so that you could get the blessing on me, then here I am, a willing servant, a willing a person, Lord, to walk under the blessing that you have. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if this doesn't give you theological basis for, and for your faith in the prosperity plan of God, then, then you're, you must not be breathing oxygen. You must be just a mannequin that's just uh, got some uh, mechanicals that make you look real. Because let me tell you what, this right here gets to the nitty-gritty Word of God to give you a theological understanding and basis so that you could stand up on it in faith and say, I stand on the Word, I stand on the promises, and I will walk them out, I will talk them out, and I will live them in such a way that brings glory and honor to my God. Back to Galatians 3, God, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for cursed is he who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing might come on us, even the Gentiles who were known as those who were outside of covenant. He said, no, no, no. This covenant, I'm making it available to even to the Gentiles. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall enter in. For you know by grace that our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that though he was rich for your sake, look at somebody and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. For your sakes, he became poor, that through his poverty, him taking on that spirit of cursed spirit, you might become rich in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So you got to know that it is your right as a Christian to prosper God's way. And knowing that, now you can exercise your faith to walk it out. And exercising your faith, you got to start meditating, thinking, speaking, declaring, decreeing, walking in it, faced with obstacle, not letting obstacle capture you by your five senses. And you say, wait a minute, you five kings, I put my foot on your neck my sight, my sound, my taste, my touch, and what I hear is not going to deter me. I know what Jesus has done for me, and I'm not backing down, and I'm not being intimidated. I'm leaning forward, and I'm moving into all that God has for me because, say it, I'm a man or a woman of faith. I'm a child of God, and I walk by faith and not by sight. And walk into your destiny. Walk into it. Let me give you some principles I believe that God has shown me in His Word that in His design for our prosperity. These are just simple principles that I believe the Word of God shows us. And the first one is the principle of first fruits and tithing and offerings. 
It is a principle of the word. It's all about covenant. It's not about numbers. It's not about uh, law. It's not about you being cursed. It's about it, it's it's none of the, it's about covenant. It's about covenant. And if you really believe the teaching of God and what Jesus has done for you, now you're going to walk by faith. And what you, when you walk it out, that means by faith you've got you to do something because faith without works is dead. So God has given us some things that we can do. And it, He gave us these uh, in principle before the law, during the law, and even after the law. He shows us that this is principles that we can live by. Where when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, found in Matthew 6 and 33, God, I put you first. I put you first with my family. I put you first with my health. I put you first in my life. I put you first in the finances. I, and God says, I want, to, I want you to prove it to me. I want to know if you're a man of your word. I want to know if you're a woman of your word. So it gives us these principles of, of tithing and first fruits and offerings so that we can choose just by faith to say, this is what God in the, under the law, before the law and under the law and after the law, that this is a minimal that God set up. Well, then if that's what came from God, then I'm going to at least trust God and bless him with that back. Now, understanding covenant, everything I have is the Lord's. So it's never my money. It's never my life. I belong to the Lord. I've died to myself. I take up my cross and I follow him. I want to live for him. So he says to prove to him and yourself, I believe more to ourselves than to him and to the devil, that we are in covenant, that we truly believe, then we're going we're gonna to rejoice. That's why we clap here when Pastor Dika says, you know, it's time to worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. We clap and shout here. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver, he says in the New Testament, and the reason we're cheerful is because we understand that we don't have to do this, but we get to do this. And by getting to do this, we're going to exercise our faith. This takes us into the miraculous zone. And this keeps us in covenant. And now, not only are we in covenant with God just in name only, but in action and deed as well. And because he, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And where your heart is, your treasure is. So he says, I want to see if you truly trust me. So I'm telling you, it is one of the greatest principles of, of, of wealth and prosperity you'll ever know. You can do more with less. You can do more with less when the covenant of God's blessing of prosperity is on your life. Why? Because even, you know, when I used to farm and we would grab the bags of seed and we were uh, intentionally putting the seed in the planters that were pulling behind the tractors, we mistakenly could spill some seed. Or at the end of the planting and we had some seed left into the, in the planters and we would take the tractors out uh, to the... Uh, to the sheds and stuff, and we're emptying that out, we could mistakenly spill seed. Guess what? That seed did not care whether it was in that perfect row uh, down that field. It, was, it had a DNA to reproduce. And when you're walking in covenant with God, everything that you do has, has eternal, uh, uh, blessed, uh, you might would say residual, 
You may, you may not even realize what you're doing, but you're just, you may be just spilling over. You may be just casual somewhere, not even thinking about it. And God says, because you're in covenant, the blessing is on you. And even if you mistakenly spilt that, somebody said, oh, I lost a $20 bill. I lost a $20 bill. And I said, well, where did you lose this? I don't know. I was here and there. I said, just go ahead and sow it. Sow it into kingdom work. Let somebody find it that needs it. They said, but I'm $20 down. I said, no, you're probably, let's see, 30, 60, 100. 100 would be what? $2,000 ahead. They're like, how can I be $2,000 ahead if I'm just lost $20? If you'll sow it and say, God, let somebody find it that needs it. I'm not, I'm not running after the money. I'm, I'm running after you, Lord. And I, if you want to use it, God, you can, what the devil meant for evil, turn it for good and go ahead and, and do it that way. You know what? Your mistakes of spilling seed can bring you harvest as well. Hallelujah. So God is a God that established this thing called tithing. It was not something bishops came up with. It's not something some ecumenical council came up with. It is something that before the law in Genesis 14 and 20, Abraham uh, tithes to Melchizedek who is a type of, uh, we see a type of Jesus uh, in the Old Testament. And, and why did he do it? It was no law. Why did he do it other than being led of the Spirit of God? Because God was showing us that when we give, we give it as unto the Lord. That this goes into the kingdom of God. And it's not something we're mandated to do. It's not something we do under compulsion because that's not faith. I gave for years under compulsion. I gave for years from a teenager on. I was told by my pastor, uh, I said, I'm saved now, what should I do? He said, you need to be in church every time you can. You need, to, you need to praise and worship the Lord. You need to read your Bible and you need to pay your tithes. And I did all of that and I thought that was my job. I mean, I was supposed to do that. And, and, and I wasn't walking in the miracle of the tithe. And I, I didn't know why until I got the revelation years later because I was giving it because I thought that's what I had to do. It was like I was paying God off. He's the big mafia papa, you know, the, the, the boss, the dad, you know. And if I didn't pay him off, he's like, you know, Bruno, go break his leg, go break his arm, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. But, <laughs> you know, and, and so I was paying God off. And I wouldn't, it was, it was just lose. I was losing. But when I got the revelation that this kingdom and this covenant is a covenant of faith and now I get to do it. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. Man, I've seen the supernatural increase that I can explain and I wouldn't go through the books because if I did, I don't think the math will add up. God is so good. And then Jesus affirms tithing in Matthew 23 and 23 and Luke 11 and 42. He said, tithing you ought to do, but it, don't be limited to, and then he increases our understanding about tithes as it is a faith gift and offering to God. So this principle of the tithe is so amazing. And God says that first fruit belongs to him. And that's why the firstborn when the plague came on Egypt of the firstborn, nobody could argue with God because the firstborn belonged with him. Uh, and he says, if you will honor me with the firstborn or the first fruit, I'll bless the rest. 
So I believe that's why Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday rather than Saturday, moving our Sabbath from a Saturday to a Sunday because the Christians then begin to understand that Jesus is the first fruit from the grave and that we by faith are in this covenant, this new covenant with a better high priest, better blood, better promises, hallelujah, and now we're going to honor him. And the law said you had to do it here, but now by faith we get to do it here and make it a first fruit offering unto God. So on Sunday we come here on the first day of of the week and we honor and praise and worship God but then on Wednesday night God says honor him with the tithe and the offerings we're here as Pastor Rodica said some of us a sacrifice of praise that we're offering to God that you're here on a Wednesday night this is your offering unto the Lord and God blesses he blesses the giver he blesses the giver hallelujah six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath unto the Lord the Lord will open to you as good treasure in heavens to give you rain on your land in its season and to bless the work of your hand. All of this leads us into our second principle, and that's the principle of work. The principle of work. Sometimes folks say, well, I'm saved now. I'm saved, so I'm on God's, uh, you know, I'm on God's uh, financial plan. And God's going to meet all my needs according to my riches and glory. You know, and that's a good scripture, but you can't take it out of context. Because he also says he'll bless what you put your hand to do to work. So if you're not going to put your hand to do anything to work, how can you expect the blessing? Because, you know, come on now. So we got to understand this principle of work. On the seventh day, God ended his work. God worked for six days. God. God. And we're going to think that we don't... People that got this... You know, I'm going to retire and just sit back. Well, folks who just retire and sit back die. They shrivel up and die. Because you were created in the image of God. You don't have to get a salary to be productive in society. There's so much to do in society. Just because the world says if you're not getting a salary, you're not working. I know a lot of folks that work a whole lot harder. You know, they went to work with a salary to get away from the real work that they got when they got off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. So the Lord said he would bless the work of our hand, and we need to understand that. And Proverbs 18 and 9 says, He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. So God don't put up, you say, well, I work for so-and-so, and I can get by with this, and I can sneak and do this, and I can, you know, fudge on here and fudge on there. God says, I'm watching. I'm watching. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, he says, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Whoa. A New Testament scripture talking like that? In other words, if you don't, it's the law of use. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You got to, God created you with purpose and destiny. And that's not just to be a taker. He gave us an example and we live by it every day. We do what? Inhale. And we do what? Exhale. Now you try inhaling only. Be the taker, be the taker, be the taker. You're going to die. You be the giver and exhale, exhale only. You're going to die. There's this perfect balance. The same is true. You exhale and this carbon dioxide comes out and then you go, you need oxygen because the trees took the carbon dioxide and converts it God's miraculous way into oxygen so that there's a perfect balance. Let me tell you what. We don't want to get one side or the other. We want to stay right in the middle of God's plan for our life. And he says, be diligent. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. 
You need to be diligent in your work. Did you know you need to be honest? I have a Christian business, The Shepherd's Guide, and it's a Christian business directory, print and online in some regions and online all over the nation. It's the world's largest Christian uh, directory uh, uh, under the sun as of today. It is the, the largest, not one of the, the largest. Praise God. But you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't want to be listed there and known to be in the same uh, category as those Christians. I say, why? Because I've been uh, abused and mistreated and cheated by more people that said they were Christians. And I say, that is a shame and a disgrace. The world should be saying, show me a Christian. I want to hire them. I want to hire a Christian because a Christian is known for their integrity. A Christian is known for their honesty. A Christian is known that even if they underbid and can't make a dollar on it, they're still going to do it right because, and they're going to learn from their mistake because they're a Christian. You've got to be honest. First Thessalonians 4 and 10, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more and that you would aspire to lead this quiet life and to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you and that you would walk properly towards those who are outside uh, that you may lack nothing. God said you will lack nothing when you walk properly with those who are outside the covenant. You should never, never let anybody know you're a Christian and you cheat them. Because you're not walking properly with those on the outside. You're doing more to run them away from God than to bring them to God. And God said, I'm not going to put up with that. And instead of getting blessing, you're coming right back under the curse through your own actions and your own deeds. You've got to be honest in your work. Have integrity. Some people say, well, how do I have integrity? You need to be on time. You need to do what you say. You need to finish what you start. And you need to say please and thank you. Those four things will show that you have integrity, that you're a man or a woman of your word, that when you say it, you're going to do it. If you promised it, you're going to fulfill it. Or either you're going to beg them that I've made a mistake and is there any way we can adjust this? And if they say no, then suffer through it and do it with a good attitude because this is all about integrity. And let me tell you, we need to work smarter. Proverbs 24, 29 says, I will render to the man according to his work. If you're not working smart and you're, you're taking the long way around to do everything, let me tell you what, even though your supervisor may not catch you, God sees it. God sees it and promotion is not coming to you because you're not ready to handle promotion. You're not ready to handle promotion. Here's the person that's ready to handle promotion the one who says, okay, this is what I'm going to, I promise to give, but I'm going to go a little further. I call it the and then some, and then some work ethic. You remember the scripture talked about, was it uh, uh, Isaac uh, getting a bride and they go looking for the bride and the servant that says, you know, God, you got to help me. I, got, I, I want the right one. So when he gets there, he says, whatever girl I ask to give me some water, if she will offer to water the camels as well. Now that's a task. That's a task because camels can drink a lot of water. He said, that will be the one. He basically said, I want to see the one who will do what I ask and then some. That's the one that's coming into the covenant. And there, was it, was it, was it Rachel or Rebecca? Rachel. Rebecca. Which one? 
Rebecca's the first one. Rachel's the second. Okay, okay, so we'll get it straight. So Rebecca, she says, yes, I'll give you some water, but let me water your camels as well. Guess what? Those camels she watered, she ended up owning them and all the gold and the jewelry and the silver that was on them and the papa that owned them and all the land, all that became her inheritance because she had an and then some work ethic. I'm telling you, it will work. I remember when I was 17 and out on my own and, and there I'm sleeping in my car and working at this grocery store as a bag boy. And I'm telling you, I'd get there early and I'd work late and I wasn't supposed to scrape up gum off of the, off of the uh, sidewalks out there, but I didn't like the way it looked. And I'd stay late and I'd scrape off that, that gum and I'd clean the front of it because when people would come to the grocery store, I wanted it to look clean. And I would do everything that I could. I'd just look and next Thing you know, within uh, uh, weeks, I'm called into the manager's office and he says, you know, we've never done this before. Are you still in high school? Yes, sir, senior. He said, well, we're going to promote you to assistant manager of the whole grocery store. You're going on salary. They didn't know I was living in my car. They didn't know I, I was out on my own. They didn't know that. And they didn't know. But let me tell you what God knew. God knew. And I asked Mr. Wyman, I said, why in the world would you choose me? And he says, you didn't think we were watching, but I saw you when you were scraping that old gum up off of the thing out there. And you were scrubbing down the ice machine that had all the bugs and spider webs on it. And I said, well, I didn't know you saw that. He said, well, I did. And we need somebody like you. So here's this teenager that's still in high school that is bag boy to assistant manager. I'm profit sharing. I've got a 401k. I've got insurance. I didn't know what all that meant, but I was told I had it and given a package of it. Praise God. And then I'm dealing with these uh, 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 owners of gro uh, restaurants buying wholesale meat and stuff from us. And one of them calls me into the restaurant and says, look, we don't have children. God told us that we're to bring you in to be our son. And we'll give you half of our restaurant. We own this property, the 7-Eleven next door. We own it all. We'll give you half. Here's our profit loss statement if you'll just come and be a part of it. Let me tell you what. When you go and do what God says, God will cause men to see it and promote you. And it's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. Hallelujah. Revelation 22 and 12 says, and behold, I'm coming quickly. Here's Jesus saying, I'm coming quickly and I will reward. I have the reward with me to give to everyone according to his work. Wow. Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. And when I come, I have the reward with me and I'm going to give it out according to their work. What, what were you a man or woman that worked with integrity and honor? Honesty or not, I believe it will affect your reward. Luke 6, 38, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be put into your bosom? For with the same measure that you use to give, it will be measured back to you. Wow, the principle of work. That ties right into the principle of reciprocity. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, whatsoever a man sows, whatsoever a man sows, he shall also reap. So do the flesh of the flesh you shall reap corruption. So do the spirit of the spirit you will reap everlasting. And let us not weary in well-doing because there's a time, there's a process between sowing and reaping. So he said, weary not in well-doing because you will in due season reap if you faint not. So as you have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That is the verse for our Christian business and has been for 38 years. If we have opportunity to do good, let us make sure we begin by doing it with those who are of the household of faith. We're to do it good to everybody, but we're to do extra special to those who are of the household of faith. Praise God, the principle of reciprocity. 
So what you give? Some people say, well, I give of my time. Well, you'll reap time back. Some people say, well, I give of encouraging words. You'll reap encouraging words back. But we're talking about prosperity here. Do you need any cash? Do you need any cash? Well, then you need to sow some cash. Well, where am I going to sow cash? I'll give it to this person that I feel good, or I'll give it to that person. God says, if you're in covenant with me, I want to see that you bring the tithe and the offering, first fruit. If you'll give that to me and trust me with it. Because, see, you're still in control when you're going to see who you're going to give it to, and they're going to look at you with that smile and say, oh, you saved my life, you saved my day. You've just got your reward. God says, I've set it up that you can give it to me and it can go out and bless the whole world and you won't know everyone who was affected by it till you get to heaven. And he said, I set heaven up with a time frame of eternity because that's how long it's going to take to go over all the stuff of, the, of that which you get to reap. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a good God. And then we have this fourth principle and I'll close with this. It's the principle of miracles. The principle of miracles. Oh, don't you forget that one. God is not so much as moved by need because the world is full of need. And if that were the case, you'd see God moving by need. And God is not so much moved by pity because let me tell you what, this world is full of pitiful situations that you would think is so pitiful that, that you would see a miracle take place. But when you study the character and the nature of our God, the Bible says that He is moved by faith. By faith and His Word. So let me tell you what, if we're going to move into the miraculous realm, we've got to live by faith. We've got to act by faith. We've got to talk by faith. We've got to walk by faith. We've got to give by faith. So every time you see me up here, uh, you'll see me. I don't, don't do it to be seen of you. I just do it because I love my God. I lift up my offering. It's time to worship. I'm not going to sit there and let a bag come by. And, and I could give online, and there's nothing wrong with giving online. I, I, it's really very convenient for many people to help the church out. But I also want to have something in my hand because I just like, I just love, Lord, I'm giving to you. I'm giving to you. And you can do the same online. You can say, Lord, I'm giving online. But I just, I just love the Lord. And I know this miracle life so well that I just, oh my goodness, I just don't have the words, attitude. I don't have the song. I don't have the dance, the step to properly communicate how awesome God is. How awesome it is. To not feel like I'm in this world living by my own means. Oh, man, that was a rough way. When I used to go that way, I'm living by my own means. And what's going to happen when I get a little older and I can't produce like I'm doing now? What is going to happen if my 401k goes down? What am I going to do? Let me tell you what. I don't have to worry about none of that. Hallelujah. Because my God, who is a miracle provider, when I'm 30, is a miracle provider. When I'm 90, hallelujah, he's the same faith God. And I get to tap into the miraculous side of God through my actions. And one of them I do in faith is giving. Praise God. I've got so much more to share with you from God's Word. So you might would say this is just a starter course tonight and I'm going to be bringing it to you as the Spirit of the Lord gives it to me. But uh, I wanted to lay this foundation, God's design for your prosperity. Prosperity by God's design. Would you stand with me please? Father, I thank You for the clarity of Your Word and the direction of Your Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't put us here to fret, to worry, and to always wonder, how are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? But Lord God, you've allowed us 
to position ourselves with you in covenant. To walk into where the curse has been removed and the blessing has been provided. And to walk in it by faith. And to walk in it in such a way, Lord God, that we can see the fulfillment of your perfect plan for our lives. Thank you, God, that you did not want us to live under this curse. The curse of poverty. Thank you. Jesus, you took it on. Hungry, naked, thirsty, and in one of all things, you took it on to get that curse off of us, to get the blessing on us. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, there would be some folks under the sound of my voice right now that would say, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to make it on my own. I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to wrestle against this evil curse of poverty and trying to keep my head above water. But from this night forward, I am making a covenant commitment that I am surrendering everything to you, Jesus. And I'm bringing these funds and these jobs and these potential work and everything. I'm bringing that under covenant as I'm coming by faith. And I'm going to give by faith. I'm going to walk in your declaration by faith. I'm going to start praising you for more than enough because you're not El just get me by. You are El Shaddai the God of more than enough. And I'm going to call out your name. I worship you, El Shaddai, my God of more than enough, of overflow, of abundance. I worship you. I praise you. I am not worrying. I'm not in fret. I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining everything because I'm giving and living and serving and walking and talking by faith in your covenant of prosperity and provision. From this night forward, I surrender all to you, Jesus. All to you I give. And I thank you. I am so excited. Oh, if you could just know what I know, church, you would say, I'm just so excited to walk in this miracle zone. Hallelujah! Ushering in the mighty hand of God, working miracles in and through my life for His glory and for His honor. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. So are you totally surrendered to Him? Are you totally surrendered to Him in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you will confess that he is Lord and believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That word saved is sozo. It talks about wholeness. It talks about prosperity. It talks about healing. It talks about being made, put back together from brokenness. It means promotion. And it also means eternity with God in heaven. So, so all of that comes when we declare his lordship. Be honest with yourself. Has he been Lord over the finances that's come through your life? Have you honored him in faith with the tithe and the offerings? Have you honored him in faith? Not as a duty, but in faith. Because anything we do outside of faith is sin. He wants you to do it in faith. If not, tonight you can repent and you can declare his Lordship over any area of your life that he's not been Lord. To be Lord means He rules over it. He has the say. He has the final say. He rules. He directs. And His Word has given us direction. So are you surrendering to His Lordship? I, I, I love the... I think Billy Graham, I heard him say it. I don't know if it's original with him. But he said, if Jesus is not Lord over all, then He's not Lord at all. Surrender. It's a commitment. 
to enter into the covenant of the greater blessings. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for the resources that you're flowing through our life. We thank you that you have a plan to increase them, to increase them to even greater measure. We thank you for that, Lord. But we know, Lord, you're looking first and foremost at our commitment to your Lordship. So, Lord, we bring our money. and We're not even going to call it our money anymore. We're going to say, Lord, we bring the resources you provide under your Lordship. And we bring our health, we bring our words, we bring our actions, we bring our plans, we bring everything under your Lordship. And we declare, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Lord. Amen? Amen. If you've done that, the Bible says the covenant of Sozo, the covenant of Soteria, uh, Soteria is all yours. That salvation is all yours. So walk in it. Rejoice in it. Be blessed in it. And go tell somebody the good news. Go tell somebody the good news so that they too can be blessed by it. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in the house tonight.